Sean is a fresher breath there. He just loved chain restaurants. Matter of fact, he ate at Applebee's 12 times during the bye week. I love each and it. Most of you guys. That really is still swollen, isn't it? It kind of looks like a football, actually. Thank you for that. Stitching you guys. Thank you. Hey, D, I like donuts, baby. Let's go. Uh, Stay focused. Um, Work hard in school. You might not like school, but make sure you're working hard at school. It builds a bomb. It builds a bomb. It's your boy DM3, and you're listening to the Witty Not Funny Sports Podcast on the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network. Witty Nation, welcome everyone to episode 111 111 of the Witty Not Funny Sports Podcast, the number one celebrated podcast about sports, entertainment, and everything in between. And as always, part of the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network. Go follow us at Witty Sports 716 on Twitter. And Instagram and follow everything built in Buffalo is giving you every single day. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. It's a takeover at built in Buffalo underscore. We are your hosts. I am Matt. He is Tony. Tony, what's going on tonight? Last Bills game, we ate turkey legs, but the very next day we wondered about Trey. This game, we saw him way more, and D made Mac Jones look foolish. Hey, Matt, what's going on, my man? You are in a festive spirit come December here. Oh, yeah. it's, it's, I think it's two it's in a row all, of holiday jingles. It is. It's seasonal songs from now until until our Lord coming. Very nice. Very nice. Tony, we had a Bills game on Thursday, really messing up our podcasting schedule. These damn Bills. It's a Don't nightmare. ever think about us? When do they think about us? <laughs> yeah. When will our plight be recognized? What it is. Will the plight of the lowly podcast creators be recognized? Yeah. These railway workers don't know how good they have it. Oh, no. Take a walk in our shoes for 10 seconds. Two minutes in, we're already going with railway (laughs) worker talk. That sets the stage for how this this episode is going to go. It's going to be that kind of show tonight. (laughs) They don't know how good they got it. With their six, six days instead of seven. Yeah, unpaid. (laughs) Oh my goodness, Tony! But we have a lot of bills talk to get into. Before we get into bills talk, is there anything you want to talk about, real quick? Anything on your mind? You having trouble getting Taylor Swift tickets um, like I am? Nope, that's not on my radar. I don't know. Is is this um is this you setting me up to say that there was a fab meeting earlier this week? Well, we'll get into that. I I thought you were gonna. Oh, okay. Uh, I thought you were gonna have a long diatribe about your disappointment in the liver king being on steroids no i didn't know until uh, i had never heard of the liver king this week i have no allegiance oh, yeah i i have no idea i still don't know what's going on i guess that's a big deal i don't know anything about this liver king he's not my liver king that's for sure he's not your liver king no oh, he's not boy. he's a tyrant he's, more, he's a liver tyrant i don't I, I... respect him as my king you know who else doesn't respect tyrants? The USA, Tony. I feel like it was a big week for USA. USA soccer advanced to the knockout stage. Yeah. The Buffalo Bills uh-huh. won also wearing red, white, and blue. That's true. Against the Patriots, though. So Against the Patriots. America hates the Counters Patriots, it a little Tony. Bit. That's fine. Well, yeah, but I mean, the, you know. They, the Bills we are the true Patriots. Kings, but we were the loyalists in this analogy. Since <laughs> right. 
the Patriots are the American side and we would have played the role of loyalists. But really we're pioneers, I guess you would say. Buffalo yeah, Bill. I'd say you know, so. Like Old Westy. Yeah. It's a you West know, versus East. Tony, you know who else who right who could represent the USA to its fullest, who's a national hero? Mr. Marv Levy. I mean he's a World War II veteran. So yeah, he is. And World War II veteran. <laughs> exactly. Thank you for your service. Marv. Also, <laughs> World War II veteran, also crooner with a great singing voice as we honor every podcast episode here. Mm-hmm. Tony, you ready to throw it to Marv? We're going to talk some bills. The last worthwhile war. Let's do it. Take it away, Marv. Mar- Take it away, Marv. We'll be back after the break. Go, go. Bills fight, bills go. Come on, let's win for Buffalo. And we are back. Tony, before we get into our game review, you teased it a couple minutes ago. You had your most recent meeting of the the FAB, the FAB committee, the fan advisory board. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. FAB in name, FAB in look. Tony, take us through the highlights, maybe some of the lowlights of the recent fan advisory board meeting. Give the fans an inside look into what the board members had to discuss this go around. Well, this was, of any meeting, this was the truest inside look because uh, as fate would have it, some snow removal, at least when we met, was still a little bit of an issue. Um, so we had to relocate our meeting across the driveway uh, to the training center, which was, for me, Matt, a thrill. That's so a big Michael the training Scott center, move, moving the meeting before it takes place. Yes. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Um, to throw you guys going off. to the lobby. Going to the lobby, you got the AFC championship trophies on your left. You have the AFL championship trophies on your left. You got the, what I think we all kind of know, there's like that mannequin that has the uniform, like number one, uh, that kind of stands there. We've seen that in a lot of social media posts. That was their big heart display above a fireplace. Then headed upstairs to the player slash, you know, internal uh, employee cafeteria which was also super fun to be in. You know, you see like certain fridges are marked for players only and one could not help but fantasize or pontificate. I'm like, oh, is that turkey sub for Deion Dawkins? That feels right. I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> and then of course, like you just wonder like, are these other people walking around players that I only kind of recognize or like, am I just applying this to, because I want to see a player walk in and out. But you know, some people walked in and out. We were able to, sit down and we had a great meeting with the like game sort of director. Uh, I don't know his official title, but he's, you know, he's the head on show of things that like of content that's going on the jumbotron, the timing of the Anthem, the flyover, the game star, what is, you know, music and audio that's getting played. Uh, and he gave us a lot of insightful sort of inklings that we as fans kind of probably never would have thought about. Uh, and he went for a long time because we had a lot of questions for him. Okay. Uh, so his name was Nicholas Piccolis. Uh, no, but he did drop the name Nicholas Piccolis. He did say our oh, no. Nicholas Piccolis. <laughs> yeah, walked out immediately. <laughs> so it was, it was helpful to learn, um, you know, about certain regulations that the league has as far as where the jumbotron camera can be. You know, not zooming in too far. Uh, what audio can go on and when? Um, they have to submit the audio tape to the league against the play clock to for the league to cite when the audio is on and off and whether that is commensurate with the gameplay even and and same thing like kind of visually you know there's regulations on what can be on the jumbotron and when especially said this year and this was my concern like this year there's some 
there's a there's kind of a crackdown on what's going on on the screens during kicks. And I experienced this in Cleveland when we lost on a on a last second field goal that we missed um, because Cleveland was putting like strobe lights on all their screens and stuff. It was very imposing and distracting. So they're kind of cracking down on that and what's happening during kicks and gave some insight on, uh, you know, like how the flyovers work and the logistics behind that gave some insight on how the halftime entertainment works uh, and, and the logistics behind, behind that. Um, At which point we sort of just kind of talked about things that we love in, as part of uh, the experience of being at a Bills game, whether it be shout, whether it be the where else would you rather be shout leadership from the legends of the game at the beginning. Be a, lot, a lot of people said the salute to service was a huge part of it for them. Mm-hmm. It was really insightful to hear kind of their things in addition to all that it took for us to pull off having a home game in Detroit on such short notice and all the work that the Bills entertainment department Departments had to, you know, had to do in order to do that. Uh, and at the end, in addition to all that, uh, they did drop this, what I thought was like a bigger bomb than it seemed like. But uh, one of the executives shared that he's kind of been getting hints from the league that the Bills Dolphins game is going to be Sunday night. Oh, uh, so I, I put that first hooks. Big break. You heard news. it here first. Yeah, you heard it here wow. first. That's kind of at, at least as of Tuesday night, that seems to be what they're thinking and a probability now okay also wow. tuesday night also tuesday night the dolphins game this week was flexed to sunday night so will they allow two weeks in a row i mean time will tell but you know the sure. legitimacy of what they're hearing from the league is also going to have some insight into this but i mean i i don't see why not especially if the dolphins win this week and we continue to be tied i mean that's right come on you know that's, yeah. that's gonna be huge so it's ctv mm-hmm. yeah of interesting course, uh even, was even not when when the topic of halftime entertainment came up, because it's typically uh, Pee Wee football, marching band, stereotypical football halftime shows. We don't get anything really out of the box. Did anyone bring up my favorite halftime event ever? And if you Google search Twitter highlights or Google search highlights of this happening, I guarantee you listeners, it'll be your favorite halftime event as well. Mascots versus kids. Mm. Uh, there was no discussion of mascots versus kids. I've never to tell seen you. Buster Bison stiff arm a kid to the depths of hell on a football field. <laughs> you haven't lived. Trust me. I could not agree with you more. I would love to see mascots versus kids, but I think it's slim pickings or on, on hope for that. So it seems like the way it goes is, you know, a, there is a budget for how much they can do in halftime entertainment and that, that they're sort of like pushing the envelope on B. I think a lot of it derives from what they can get and how that matches up to the weather. So a lot of what we would want for halftime entertainment could only happen in the front end of the season and the back end of the season is kind of hopeless. And, you know, you're also taking risk at any time you book halftime entertainment, then it doesn't work out with the weather and then they can't go on. So I said, Oh, so basically how it works is like, the entertainment sort of gets front loaded to the front to the beginning of the season. And then once the weather turns, then you just got to kind of default to the stampede. And he said, that's exactly what happens. Um, so then the stampede gets kind of is always the go-to for better or for worse uh, as a result of always both, for worse. Yeah. Both budgetary constrictions and the fact that the stampede can go on in any weather, whereas not everyone can, or you get circumstances like last Thursday against the Browns 
when West Seneca West uh, marching band was booked and now they're coming in next next game. Maybe, right. depending on the Maybe. weather. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Was there any uh, topics of conversation or uh, subject matters that were cause for controversy um, within the I fan would advisory? Board? Say, I would say the most controversial discussion was surrounding the new stadium. And just, I think a lot of people on the fan advisory board, especially those that have had season tickets for, you know, decades, have a lot of nostalgia to the current stadium and like the current stadium and are definitely, you know, being very cautious surrounding how much they're looking for the new stadium, or are they just kind of sad? And are they thinking the new stadium is not going to, not going to have it. So I think there's some controversy surrounding that and that we like the old stadium. We like what it is. We like what it brings to the table. And for me, like, I like the ease of it. I, I, I get to my seat super fast. I never feel like the concourse is overcrowded compared to like, you know, leaving a Sabres game or something like that, or compared to other stadiums in which I have gone to games when the concourse I think is very narrow and super crowded, namely in the upper deck of Cleveland, in Jacksonville, in Minnesota at certain points. But I get to my seat like real fast, you know, other stadiums somebody's going to walk around like this crazy logistical way, zigzagging across just to get to your seat. And that's the only way. Bathrooms, I never wait. You know, I never have to wait in a line or wait for somebody. You know, there's a lot of, and they shared that we have uh, getting in and out, or at least getting in. We're number one in the league in getting people in their seats on time in terms of like, by the time the anthem starts, we have the most people in their seats compared to any other team in the league. And to me, that's a result of Bills fans know what they're doing. You know, we care about the football, et cetera. We're also number one in the league in terms of how fast we can get out of our seats. Uh, Then, you know, parking lot, obviously different. But but those two stats uh, I thought were interesting. You know, Matt, well, we're number 32 of 32 in the league on. What? Sound system. Worst acoustics <laughs> and sound system. Okay, hold on. I was not the least bit surprised either. So that's a major <laughs> priority for the next stadium. They said oh, okay. is that the sound system acoustic situation, it has to be better. Um, and they said they're kind of like handcuffed now because they're like, there's only certain tweaks that they can do now technologically. And it needs more and they know it needs more. So it's really about, it's really about the next stadium with the sound system and the, and that's the whole situation. You know, nostalgic thoughts, memories aside, the Ralph's kind of a lame duck stadium right now. I don't feel like they're putting anything into it. (laughs) They're just focused on 2026 and the new stadium and what that is going to look like and entail. So is that the feeling you got from being on the FAB that they just, yeah, are not going to put anything into the Ralph. Yeah, like minimal, putting minimal into the yeah. Ralph. Yeah, you know. just to get by. Yeah, just enough, and hopefully, what it, those of us whatever the, causes the three hundred level not to collapse. Don't collapse. I was just going to yes. say, like, even in my seat, I'm living in fear of collapse. <laughs> you can physically see the cracking of this, the concrete up in the three hundreds, and you're like thinking to yourself, "Man, is today the day? This thing's going it's down." Kind of, yeah. Like I. Well, I'm just looking at the dark side saying, you know, I bet the dark side would go first. If one is, if one of the sides is going to like collapse, Rubble. collapse or have like a whole start to form, I would say the dark side is my bet for some, for no reason. But I'm just kind of thinking that. This Bill's 300 level impromptu implosion brought to you by Crumble Cookies. Is that a real brand? Yes, absolutely. Oh. You know what a Crumble Cookie? I don't think I'm familiar with that brand. Oh my goodness, Tony. Get out of your Rochester bubble. <laughs> okay. And live. I mean, 
we we grew up in the same town man like no it's a it's a new thing to buffalo so if you haven't oh oh there's for only real like it is. two locations yeah oh and brick and mortars yeah it's one of those chains that like chick-fil-a that buffalo got like 15 years after everyone else oh okay my goodness good, good okay. cookie if they want to sponsor us mm. more than welcome yeah mm. i feel like they're about to become the official cookie of the bills question for you tony did they mention anything with the new stadium or in regards to the new stadium about on-site gambling oh no that was not discussed that is a good oh, question I'm surprised though. I hope to remember that for the next meeting please jot that down i'm i'm intrigued to yes. see if they'll have gambling kiosks or or how they're going to implement deal with that, that or deal with that whole thing yeah all right, good, good notes from the fan advisory board. I think the big news is Dolphins Bills listeners could get moved. And once again, Woody Nation, if you have questions or things that you want to bring to Tony, please tweet us. Our DMs are open. Slide into our DMs. We encourage it. And Tony I can do. bring it directly to the source. Directly your voice through Tony directly to the Bills front office and executives. You don't get that anywhere else, people. We're the only podcast. That's true. You you don't. That is true. (laughs) Good news and whatever else you're uh, listening to is not they don't have worthy. They don't have it. They don't have it. They don't have it. We have it. We got the it factor. Mm -hmm. Good news and notes, Tony. You ready to talk about the Bills Patriots? Uh, yeah, that happened. I have some thoughts I would like to discuss with you, and people can listen if they want. That did happen, (laughs) Tony. Of course, we start off, and listeners, we start off every game review the same way. Every single week. But the So Bad It's Good review, Tony, he's got his notes ready. Here we go. Hit the music. We head to Gillette as Sean McDermott and the Bills were razor sharp on Thursday Night Football, where the Patriots were just more workers on an Amazon platform being mistreated. Sha-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-
big AFC East tilts against the Jets and Dolphins in the coming weeks here? I think it was as you were as you use the term like sort of coasting. I don't know that I would say coast. I think it was a game that we made what is usually a huge mistake in that it's a game where we already have our sights set on the next one. And I think that it's not just like sights set on the next one, but I think it, I kind of get the feeling it was like, we just got to survive this. And then what we're really sort of relying on is this mini buy. Uh, yeah. It's the mini buy mm-hmm. and everything is just like, just be healthy. Don't be stupid. The mini buy is coming up because that's our kind of like our only hope left of getting right. So it's a get right game in the sense that it's step one of getting right. And that the mini buy is right. what, what we're doing with that. Cause I did think like, you know, what I feel like I'm seeing out of Josh's progress with his elbow is I'm like, yeah, this mini buy is coming just in time. I think he made steps. I think he's still like, I could still, I think kind of be like Josh isn't quite there, but a lot better than what we've seen in the past couple of weeks. I agree. Yeah. So with that, I'm like, yeah, this is perfect time for 11 days to happen. And maybe that'll just kind of like really round it out and normal Josh will be back in that time. But in some senses, it's like Kyrie Elam is scratched because according to Sean McDermott, we wanted to see what we had in Xavier Rhodes. To me, that reads like this is the game we feel like we can take some risks with. This is almost like a pseudo preseason. We're going to kind of feel things out. We're going to kind of see things because... We want this mini buy. We want to look forward to the tougher of the division games, uh, which is happening in the next two weeks. And everything yeah, was kind of conservative. Like, you know, a lot yeah, of running. Yeah, everything was of... balanced, well-balanced offense. Yeah, yeah. You need a well-balanced yeah, it was just... diet in your normal life. The Bills need a well-balanced offense to beat the Patriots. It was the first time, I think, Ken Dorsey utilized the run game as much as he did. I agree. And I wonder... How much are you taking that as a as a preview of what's to come? Or do you think that it's just because we could, because the Patriots are so bad and we're so built to just destroy them? Like, so do you think that's a sign of things to come? Or do you think that's just circumstantial because we can, because there was such a talent differential? I think more the latter. If you look at mm-hmm. Patriots matchups in the past, they've been extremely run heavy based on the defense the Patriots run, which is typically nickel. Kyle Duggar kind of being another linebacker. So the Bills have run in the last two, three seasons really well against the Patriots. Every time we question, Mm. like, where's the run game? It always shows up against the Patriots in some way, shape or form. Right. So I'm kind of thinking the latter of just, yeah, there's a talent gap here. Yes, this is the scheme they run on defense. Yes, Stephen Belichick has no idea what he's doing and looks like an idiot half the time. So let's let's just expose that. So uh, I, I think this is also a game where, like you said, like, not that necessarily they treat it as the preseason, but we saw a lot. We'll, we'll start with the offense here. Saw a lot of James Cook, and maybe yeah. this is the pivot point for the entire team: offense, defense, coaching. Where. It's we're at the tail end of the season, the home stretch, if you will. How do we want to look going into the playoffs? It's not anymore. Hey, let's hold off on putting things on tape for other teams or um, not exposing the full capacity of our offensive playbook or you know things like that. Now it's go time. Now we're going to utilize the whole arsenal of weapons we have. Now we're going to utilize and open up the whole playbook. That That's kind of the feeling I got is like this game was the pivot point because now we're in the home stretch. They 
got through their midseason slump, their annual midseason slump as per tradition. And now is the get is the get right time. Now is the time to mm. for James Cook to become an RB one. Now is the time for Isaiah McKenzie to be more a part of this offense. It just seems that that's the feeling I got. Not that they put their foot on the gas, you know, hit the nitrous. R.I.P. Paul Walker. But this was kind of like you said, the first step, the first step in getting healthy, the first step in getting all their full roster back their first step in utilizing that full roster and now it's just i feel like it's go time now moving forward yes i definitely get the idea and impression too that that like thanksgiving is usually when in the past couple seasons like it has really started you know the momentum has started to build that's when we push the boulder down the hill and let it gather the moss and i kind of and i kind (laughs) of right not well for rip so that's what i look to see if that was going to happen in this game, especially with this stretch of divisional games coming up. And I kind of feel like it is like, I feel like, like, as you said, things are coming into their own and it's going to be a real hard fall. If we lose any of these games, basically remaining in the season, because we always sort of don't do that. Right. And it would be like almost confusing for us to be like, well, that's not supposed to happen. Like this. Now, what do we, now what does this mean? Um, what do I do with my hands? Yeah. Ricky yeah, exactly. Yeah. What do, what do I do with my hands? So, um, I mean, I hope that doesn't happen, obviously, but yeah, for every, for the way everything looked, for the way the like, thing was firing, like it, it does seem like we're not really forcing anything anymore. We're not really testing things out anymore. We've developed what we're going to develop. And here we are world, the motherfucking Buffalo Bills. Embrace us. <laughs> Embrace us. Yeah. Tony, we talk about the offense hitting the nitrous and I think it starts with James Cook realizing his his destiny of being a running back one. Tony, this was, I think, the game that you've been fantasizing about for a month or so now. Um, James Cook, over 100 scrimmage yards for the first time in his career, was a complete focal point of the offense. I mean, he had over 60 yards rushing. He had six catches for 41 yards. He also fell about two dozen times after catching the ball. <laughs> so get that man some new cleats, equipment department of the Buffalo Bills. But was it was this the game you've been waiting for for James Cook? Is this the jumping off point? Uh, I do think that it is something that you could potentially call the jumping off point uh, in the sense that, you know, is well, I'll put it to you. Is, is James Cook RB1 right now? Do you think that? Do you anticipate I, that? I look at it a little differently. To answer your question... If it's a yes or no answer, I will say yes. But I, I look at it a little differently in the fact that I think Ken Dorsey and the Bills offense have found the right usage of these running backs skill sets and how to utilize them, their mm. full full ability. So, for example, late in the game, the closer, if you will, Devin Singletary was the man. And Devin Singletary is the guy on short yardage downs because Devin Singletary is not going to bust out a 28-yard run like James Cook did this game. Devin Singletary is going to be the guy that can turn one yard into three yards or negative two yards into positive two yards. Mm. And we saw that late in the game, and I think that's Devin Singletary's best usage. He's not going to be the guy that hits the hole super quick and burst of speed can can 
from one juke to the outside and, and bust out a 20 plus yard run. And that's, that's just not him. It's never has been him. I love Devin Singletary. I think he's an important part of this offense. I think he's an important player to the success of this bills team, but that's just not his game. That's James cook's game. And we're seeing it now more and more as he becomes more confident as the coaching staff and Ken Dorsey become more confident in him. We're seeing him utilize and, and you could see it. You could see it on the field, how he's growing. For example, last week in Detroit and the guys that cover one did a, a good breakdown of this on those little dump passes, if you will, where, you know, he's just kind of the safety valve. He goes up the field five yards and turns around last week in Detroit against Detroit. James Cook didn't help his quarterback whatsoever. He almost blocked himself off from Josh's vision by standing directly in line with either a defense alignment or his own <laughs> offense alignment. He did himself no favors and he did Josh no favors and it almost led to an interception actually against Detroit. This week, you could tell he studied. You could tell he's learned from it because this week I saw a couple of times where he would run five yards up the field, turn around, and he, he would start off behind same position behind a lineman and then you kind of shift over to open space to give Josh that throwing lane. I'm loving what I'm seeing James Cook. I'm loving that I'm seeing his evolution, if you will. You could see it live, how he's starting to just kind of get it, like how to play this game, how to help Josh being on the same page with his quarterback. So I don't think it's like a he's an RB1, Devin Singletary's an RB1. I just think Ken Dorsey's utilizing these guys properly now and James Cook's learning how to be his best self in this offense. I think there's still a lot of room for James Cook to sort of find what works for him in this offense. I guess what I'm saying is in the passing game, there's a lot more sort of routes that I want to see him get used to or just like contribute with. Some crossing routes, maybe some deeper routes. And and I think that he... You know, I, I think that there's a higher ceiling than than we're at for James Cook. But I like where he's at now, and I like what's happening now, and I like that there's, you know, just a running back in general that's doing – that we're talking about yards from scrimmage about because that's was kind of the whole point. Can I – let me ask you a question about Devin Singletary. Do you think it's weird how little we know about Devin Singletary? The kid is personal life? <laughs> kind of, yeah. Like everyone else that's kind of like a, you know, a cornerstone figure – Mainly offensive, I guess, you on the defense. Like, we know a lot about them. We know tons about Josh. We know about his personal life. We know what Dawson Knox is happening in his personal life. I feel like I know my way around Stefan Diggs' life and family. I don't know Deion anything Dawkins, about yeah. Devin Singletary. Yeah, Deion Dawkins <laughs> yeah. is another good example. Yeah, I don't know anything about Devin Singletary. I know his name is Devin, and he does squats. Are we sure? Like, that's... <laughs> I, I guess not. I mean, for someone who's like the running back, for someone who's the Thurman Thomas of this thing that we've built, you'd think we would know more about this guy. I just think it's, I just think it's a personality thing. I mean, he doesn't seem like a outspoken. He seems more of a quiet demeanor kind of guy. He's even I'll, I'll, I'll go to a, a tried and true trope of yours in terms of these guys showing their, their personalities. Like, do we ever see Devin Singletary in any of those dancing videos? That's an interesting point too. I forgot about those dancing videos. But yeah, that's it. Yeah, that like is at, at practice when they're just dancing between Oh, plays. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Like, do we ever see Devin oh, Singletary? Oh, no, that's not like, what I practice. thought you were talking about the karaoke videos. Oh, no, I hate those things. They, they need to end those. Those are dumb. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I, I went there. I oh, went there. Oh, my gosh. You... 
we don't see 80%, you know, it's not like, 80% of the roster on those karaoke like, things. I'm saying like the practice videos where you see the guys dancing and even Josh's you know, it's handshakes. Not like the Does he have a Singletary handshake? Is pushing out know. these. Yeah, that's another good point. It's, I don't, it's not like the Bills media department is spewing out the karaoke videos. Like that's just them having a good time. Oh, yeah. No, that's I just know. some people in their 20s making TikToks. That's not. It's lame. I don't care. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, okay. Well, guess that's who you are now. <laughs> get off my lawn kids no you're right though we don't we don't know much about devin singletary in his personal life it's not like he's like a old veteran who doesn't want to hang out with the young guns <laughs> he's 25 years I mean, old he's, he's been around as much he's been around as much as anybody it's been a, enough yeah. years it's kind but of the same know. feeling Sometimes i have I about, about tommy that. tommy sweeney josh claims he's the most interesting man in the world or on the team at least and i know Literally nothing about him. Yeah, I suppose. I mean, doesn't he live with Dawson Knox? Does he? I didn't know that. I thought so. I thought that's what was happening. Because like even because even in the when Dawson Knox made the video of like his neighbors digging him out from the storm and like in the background of the video, Tommy Sweeney's Tommy Sweeney's there. Yeah, he's like Dawson Knox's butler. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, in some ways it probably is. I think that there's probably a power dynamic there. I don't think you could avoid that. Absolutely. I agree. Even though Dawson Knox has been quite absent in this offense, that was a big talking point this week in Bill's Mafia is where is Dawson Knox in this offense? Why isn't he the weapon we expected him to be to take that mm. next level leap from last year to earn that big contract extension he got in the offseason? He's been kind of radio silent this whole season. Not that you or I or maybe anyone expected him to be like a Travis Kelsey getting 10 to 12 targets mm-hmm. being unstoppable. But the Dawson Knox we knew from last year and thought we were going to get more of this year was a mismatch for your opposing defenses, like was a weapon for yeah. Josh Allen was a reliability in this offense was a core piece of this offense. And that's why I think they gave him a contract. And this year it's kind of been where, where is Dawson Knox? Like where in the world is Dawson Knox? Obviously there's some off the field stuff he might be going through and, that that is weighing heavily on him and can't discredit that. But he has been noticeably absent in this offense. And even the route trees are different than last year. And that that's obviously a, a changeover from Dable to Dorsey. But uh, it seems like Dawson Knox is being utilized. And this could be an injury thing and a health thing used as a more of an inline blocker, less as a passing threat. Have you been surprised by Dawson Knox's non-productivity in this offense this season? Wildly, yes. And, you know, I also look at what, what are the big goals here for this offense this season? Everything was about yak yards. With yep. his focus towards yards after the catch, I think Dawson Knox could do more of that, but I just don't think the big sort of Dawson Knox plays that are transferring over are not going to be yak plays. But it could be. I mean, remember when Dawson Knox was running, like, jet sweeps and stuff years ago? Yeah. I mean, that was wild. Yeah. So, I mean, that was wild. So, I mean, we know he, yeah, we know he has the athleticism. So I think it's some blending of, of all that, of the new coach, of his personal life, of what this offense kind of evolved into and looks like. I think, I think his time will come. I think his time will come. Yeah, I think there's going to be one game in this final stretch here. Me where too. There's going to be like seven catches for a hundred yards and a touchdown. And we're gonna be like, Oh, that's, that's the guy we were expecting to get this year. Yeah. I, I could see that I, totally playing I kinda, out. I anticipate that as well. It's not going to happen until the offensive line gets really healthy and really right. right, though. 
No, that's absolutely correct. I 100% mm. agree because it feels like when the starting five are not out there and it's any combination of the backups being having to play, Dorsey just relies on Dawson Knox to be an extra blocker. Yeah. Because he doesn't trust any of the depth of this offensive line here. The Bills will hopefully be getting Ike Bacher back soon, which hopefully will help. David Quesenberry came in for an injured Deion Dawkins this past game and gave a valiant effort despite being injured. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, He didn't look great at times and uh, fell down a lot, much like James Cook. Somebody, again, get these guys new cleats, but Quesenberry's game performance, in my mind, was saved by the fact that The one play Bobby Hart went in for him, Bobby Hart got absolutely smoked. And to me, I'm like, well, an injured David Quesenberry is a million times better than a healthy Bobby Hart. So I will take that any day. So kudos to you, David Quesenberry, for giving your your valiant effort on, on one ankle to protect Josh Allen and win this game for us. Yeah, I mean, that's probably the biggest sort of relief of us having the mini buy is that injury situation and position. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Hopefully some guys can perform better too. I haven't, I haven't been on that offensive line specifically. I haven't been impressed with Spencer Brown this year. I haven't been impressed with Saffold. I thought Ryan Bates actually was noticeably good during the Patriots hmm. game. Like, Shocker. Shocker that you like, thought that. Oh, you didn't think that? I like Ryan Bates. Ugh. Gotta love Rick Bates. Our sweet prince. Uh, our sweet prince, Rick Bates, our wing king himself. A couple other notes I had about the offense, Tony. I Feel free to comment how, how you'd like. Uh, He-Wolf sighting. Oh, we had a He-Wolf sighting. You don't, have to, you, get, excited, you don't have to do much to get me to howl. Yeah, of course I was excited. <laughs> Obviously, I was excited. I'm more um, excited about this idea that we're going to howl when he does something. Well, we have to replace the Bedford grunting. Yeah, yeah I guess you're right. Yeah. So we're not going to be doing that for... Is he on season ending, IR? Did they put him on season ending, right? Was it? I don't know. I didn't think I it was. That. I didn't but think I it was either, mistaken. but but now that yeah, they didn't really specify. Well, we won't be doing any Bedford grunting anytime soon. So we gotta replace it. And I'm thinking a He Wolf Howl is a perfect replacement for it. Yeah, I like that. I like it a lot. Uh and if this whole stadium would like to partake in this as Khalil Shakir gets kept more catches and more usage in this offense, we openly invite you to participate in our in our howling with us. Uh so I had He Wolf sighting. I had, where do I submit my resume to be Ken Dorsey's binoculars guy? That guy is a star in the making. (laughs) He is destined for bigger and better things. That guy was shown more than Sean McDermott Thursday night. I don't know who he is. probably correct in that. Me neither. I I asked those around me. I'm like, I feel like I saw this guy at camp and he was like always really sweaty in in a coaching position in camp. I just don't know. I just don't know that it was... That's who I'm thinking of, because, you know, at camp, you're just like taking in the sights and sounds. But I would say he is on it. Man, those binoculars were big. Those were just they some were big, abnormally large, big tubey binoculars. <laughs> I also think he was holding them upside down at maybe one or two points while the camera was on him. You like, you binoculars like, you mean guy. Like, like he's looking the tunnel. Is that what you mean by upside down? Because not, not like backwards. They were just upside down. Oh, okay. You know how you know how okay. binoculars like fold a certain way. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I think he was folding them the yeah. opposite way. That anyway. feels like something a football coach would be doing. It's just like picking up binoculars. It doesn't matter. Definitely something know. a binoculars guy would be doing. That's true. 
Also, a little bit of a throwback. You don't see many people using binoculars these days. Even the even the coaches up in the booth. I mean, because we have technology, we have tablets that show us everything we want, and we can zoom in on tablets. Binoculars are old school. I really appreciated that. I think that's where the comic relief of it comes in. It's because you just in general don't see people in seriousness, not in jest, just rocking binoculars. But there we were Thursday night, binocular um, bills. So- binocular bills that guy's a star in the making yeah. and then my final note is naheem hines is approaching reggie bush territory the threat yes, is I know. real he kind of is yeah reggie bush yeah, obviously famous is, yeah. for ending his bills career with negative yards <laughs> rushing naheem hines is right there tony would we be the first organization I... in the history of the nfl to have two seasons end with a rusher that has negative yards I don't think that's going to be an interesting fun fact. That'd be interesting. My question is, why not use him as a regular running back just a couple times? Like, (laughs) why does every handoff on like a crazy jet sweep where he's in motion and he's doing all this stuff in the backfield pre-snap and Mm -hmm. he's running a mile before he even gets the handoff? Like, just run him as a regular running back. Like, run him off tackle. Right. Just, Just for like three to five plays and see what happens. Just curious. And it's also wild (laughs) to me. So like the kind of things that I said earlier, I'm like looking for James Cook to expand his role into doing. Really, I think those things, those things that I'm talking about are more Naheem Hines's cup of tea already. So I'm like, why am I not seeing this? Like, are you under the impression as I am that Naheem Hines has better hands, softer hands than the likes of our own James Cook? I mean, based on his career and what he did in Indy, I have to think that answer is yes. I have to think so, too. And it's not like most of James Cook's receptions don't come in very, like, super athletic situations. Like, he's, no, I don't, like I said, really see five him. yards and turn around. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, I, we don't see him catching things in stride here, as I would anticipate seeing Naheem Hines doing. And I got to, it's like, what's the deal here, Dorsey? Like, you just being lazy. Are you, not, are you not getting ready to design some things for Naheem Hines? Come on, get it together. It's Naheem Hines. What's Heather Dorsey? It's Hines Naheem time. Hines. Hines time. <laughs> and final Einstein. note, just like James Cook needs new cleats because he keeps falling, I am half thinking Gabe Davis needs contacts. Oh, interesting. I think I think that man has no death perception. <laughs> yeah, he's been off his game. A, a little bit. There was one pass that... It didn't even seem like it was an errant pass. Like it was seemed like it was close to him. And he just like didn't even come close to finding the ball. Like it went over his head. He didn't adjust to the ball at all. And I'm 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 sitting on the couch half thinking, I think this man needs an eye test. I think he needs context. <laughs> Something's off. Something is off, I agree. Something is off. I don't know what it is. I don't know that it's vision. I don't know that it's system based. I don't know. I also wonder. You know, he's had he's had his moments this season. I wonder if and when Josh's elbow is back at 100 percent, what we'll what we'll see. That's kind of just the hope I'm holding on to based on nothing other than that. I like Gabe Davis and he's on my fantasy team. (laughs) The Gabe Davis we currently see. Do you think that this Gabe Davis has any chance if the opportunity presents itself to replicate what last year's Gabe Davis did in Kansas City? I think there's always that chance. I don't know. I don't. He just well, doesn't seem right. There's always that chance. Any given Sunday happens for individual players too. I, but I, I do guess, know what you mean. But... I, yeah, but I do know what you mean as far as like 
you just can't see it happening because I feel like we're, what we're watching is a shell of his old self. Right. I just don't see him even coming close to replicate if given the opportunity to replicate that performance. Not that many people in this league can have a performance right. like that, which is insane and historic. But I feel like this Gabe Davis, if you put him in that Kansas City game last year, like he's not catching four touchdowns. He's dropping three of those opportunities. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just saying I, he's not, in third grade in third grade I, I, I wanted I when that. I when I couldn't see the chalkboard I wanted to deny that I needed glasses as well I'm just saying Gabe Davis just think about it it's not it's not a bad thing yeah something something is up maybe it's this Jay-Z business he's too distracted mm, possibly possibly Tony other notes about the offense say. before we uh move on to the D Ooh, certainly not on the offense other than I just hope Deion Dawkins gets back as soon yes. as he possibly can we need him uh, badly yeah for sure he might be the third most important player on this offense behind Diggs and Allen. actually you know what disappointed me about the offense that i was kind of hoping i was really kind of hoping something amazing would happen with smoke brown but it didn't oh, but maybe next week it was, to, it was kind of nostalgic to see him out there though i kind of got a joke yeah it was fun yeah exactly it was fun so like you want to i just want to like that kind of satisfaction surrounding that but you know that's kind of it maybe next I week i feel like i feel like yeah i feel like that's another guy who's gonna like have a moment and you're gonna be like oh yeah smoke brown's on the team again that's cool yeah, that's what i think too like the yeah i was watching the Ra- ravens game where they lost in, to jacksonville in, in overtime and deshaun jackson had like a huge like a 60 yard bomb and i'm like oh, oh yeah deshaun jackson's still in this oh, league yeah. that's cool and okay. i'm sure ravens fans were like Oh, we're using Deshaun Jackson now. Like, I feel like I'm gonna have that same reaction with Smoke one day. <laughs> yeah, I think so too. Yeah, it's fun. Perfect. It's just good old fashioned fun. On getting the band back together, another second stinter, Tony. That's another. I know another second stinter. It's a movement. Just, and then, of course, the there was list. the rumor. Yeah, added to the list. Uh, who? What second stinter will come in this stretch of the week? I don't know. Is Cole Beasley coming back? Who knows? I hope not. <laughs> same. I hope not. All right, moving out of the defense. I think the big story on the defensive side of the ball, not that this was a very hard game. They all played pretty well for the most part, besides a few hiccups here or there. You mentioned it earlier, Kyrie Elam being a healthy scratch. Sean McDermott yeah. quoted as saying, we wanted to see what we had in Xavier Rhodes. You before mentioned that, you know, this, they treated this like a preseason game. They wanted to see some of their depth guys and how they would perform. My thinking was when this was announced and it was reported that, this isn't a health issue. This isn't an illness thing. Like, this is just Kyrie Elam being a healthy scratch. I'm thinking it was a disciplinary issue. I think it's something happened behind doors. And the Bills obviously Interesting. Don't want to get that out, have that be a, a PR story. And this was kind of their way of, of punishing that. I'm just saying, like, a rookie, this, this these things happen to rookies. Like, you want to you wanna obviously have them save face to the masses and the media. So... Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if it was a disciplinary thing. I, like he, I he was have no he was late to doubt that speculation. Yeah, I have no reason to doubt that speculation. That all adds up to me. I'm ready to push this as a major conspiracy theory that we should all accept as fact. <laughs> yes, there's nothing this podcast does better than pushing conspiracy theories. That's for sure. Right, we do it all the time. Of course, why not? But you know, you look at his performance on the field this year. Yes, he's coming off an injury, but his performance when he's healthy is is not cause for concern. He's been very good. His PFF grades have been yeah. very good. His advanced stats have been very good. 
Um, so his performance on the field would not cause him to be a healthy scratch. I, so I, I have to think it's only one reason and it's, you know, he was maybe late to a, a team meeting or, or something. So yeah. Uh, got in some other kind of trouble. Who knows? Yeah. I don't, I don't think anything to just overall he's being a good annoying. kid. Just, just being an uh, annoying pest. Yeah. He's just an annoying little cousin running around. Doesn't know how to express hey, his energy. Hey, Josh. Hey, Josh. Ben hey, Josh. <laughs> yeah. Josh, 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 Josh. Hi. <laughs> I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. Right. That's Kyrie Lum. Clearly That's in Kyrie a nutshell. Lum. Everything we've ever seen. Yeah. Defense played good, though. I, I found myself, and I am one, as listeners know, as you know, Tony, to admit when I was wrong, to turn oh. over a new leaf, to to find a, a new path to enlightenment with players. I admit I was wrong when they drafted Josh and I didn't like it. I've admitted a lot of things right, yeah. being wrong too. Um, I found myself this game sitting on the couch, watching it kind of coming around to Tremaine Edmonds. Oh, there he is. Big moment. <laughs> Everyone he, falls uh, eventually. Might be joining the main Avengers sooner rather than later. Well, no, well, but- well. In all seriousness, like this was, I think, the best game I've seen Jermaine Edmonds play in a Bills uniform. Yes, there's probably some of me that didn't like what I saw from his replacements. I mean, AJ Klein was fine, but, you know, Mm -hmm. AJ Klein has a ceiling. Charles Dodson, I I like much better run defender than pass defense where he struggles mightily. Terrell Bernard has kind of been a forgotten man. So I'm sure part of it is, man, the grass isn't always greener kind of a mentality to it. Like maybe Tremaine isn't as bad as I'm I'm thinking, but but he did play really good this game. He was doing things that I have knocked him for in the past, like diagnosing plays, finding the correct holes to to shoot the gaps, not engaging blocks and using his athleticism to get around the plate. He, he did all that. Mm-hmm. He was really good. Like I, again, I will I will admit it. This isn't a Matt hates Tremaine Edmonds now and forever kind of thing. He was doing things that I expect him to do every single week, and hopefully, it remains consistent. I would say too. I think that this was also, you know, it's not often that we play a team that's so run centric or play an offense that's so run centric. Like Tremaine Edmonds' skill set is made to play against the stable of running backs that the Patriots are bringing to the table that is really all their offense does bring to the table because Mac Jones is who he is. So this was a good matchup for Tremaine Edmonds too. But yeah, he, he did a lot of things right. And I mean, it's kind of also, as I've often argued, like if Tremaine Edmonds does 50 things right and then one thing wrong, that 51st wrong thing is what everyone will remember and say, he stinks, we got to get someone better. But it's because largely when he does things right, it goes unnoticed because that's the nature of the beast. So this was a good game for for him to put that on display. Yeah, I, I think the way the Patriots play, that's where Tremaine really shines. He's not as he wasn't asked to do much in in the passing game because Mac Jones is completely deficient <laughs> in, right, being a, right. in being a passing threat, and the, the Patriots don't have great receivers, or and their tight ends are overrated, and so yeah, I, I think where Tremaine has weaknesses in his game. The Patriots aren't able to expose him as much. But again, things he hasn't done in the past that I've knocked him for, he he wasn't doing this game. So maybe it's clicked for him. Maybe Tremaine walks into that locker room and, and out of that tunnel 
after he gets dressed every Sunday or Thursday in this case. And he says, man, I got six to eight games to to get a good contract. And maybe it's just clicking. That's true. Maybe it's maybe it's all that. Maybe it's combination. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Who knows? Also, Jordan Poyer, this team is a vastly different team when Jordan Poyer is on the field. Uh, He makes plays that I don't see the other safeties making. So what do you think? Was it an interception? Here's where I stand with that. I think the rule is super dumb. And okay, this is coincidental because we're playing. We played the Patriots this past week. But if you watch the Patriots game from last week, the week prior against the Vikings, Hunter Henry had a touchdown taken back, which was totally egregious. He crossed the goal line. But as he was being spun down in the tackle, like the ball bobbled, but it never hit the ground. Like he crossed the Mm -hmm. he reached over the, the goal line. He got spun backwards like half a yard and he bobbled the ball and it was just called an incomplete pass. Like it wasn't even down at the one. <laughs> like it was the refs have no idea what it catches still to this day. It's yeah. the most ridiculous rule in the NFL. To me, the rule should be if you establish control in the field of play, get two feet in as you are falling out of bounds. If that ball bobbles, as long as it doesn't hit the ground, it should count. I think so too. That, that, I that, think that should, that should be okay. the rule. I think yeah. bobbling is okay. And I'm talking bobbling like slight movement. I don't think like if you're falling and you throw it up to yourself and catch it like out of bounds. Right. It's just natural that the speed these guys are moving at, the velocity they hit the ground with, like the ball would just mm-hmm. kind of naturally shift as their arm or side hits the ground. It's very tough to just have the ball not move in any in any way. So I think it was dumb. I think it was a dumb call. I think it's a dumb rule. I think a lot of NFL rules are really dumb. <laughs> and mm-hmm. again, as I've said before, with pass interference calls and any other missed calls that week in and week out, these refs do or don't make, uh, this would all be a mute point if the NFL stopped protecting these referees and just made everything challengeable and these referees could just admit that human error is part of the game. Yeah. They do so much to protect these referees and not have them come off as moronic, even though they are <laughs> and everyone knows it. Just make everything a cha- like a challengeable play. Every nuance aspect of that play be challengeable and stop protecting these refs. If it's okay to overturn a call, it's okay to admit you're wrong. It's okay to admit, hey, we messed up or we missed it. Like, Nobody is going to think any different. They're probably going to respect you more. That's my two cents about it. So it was a catch. Absolutely. And interception. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, absolutely. And even like even the control that he had, like to me, he had control until he went out of bound. Like I also right. think That's that what I'm time freezes when you cross the sideline or anything like that. Time freezes. Yes, Whatever state exactly. the, the situation is in, that's what happens. So. Tony, I have a question for you, Demar Hamlin. All right, I'm all ears. Ejectable play? No, I was shocked. I was too. I mean, I think as you said, like things are moving fast, bodies are flying. I was really surprised it was ejectable. I also think, like it, you know, the helmet to helmet miss was more of like a side to side caress. It's a slow <laughs> dancing in the dark, cheek to cheek. So I did not think that it was. I mean, I mean, I don't know what else you would have wanted him to do. Uh, let the guy catch the ball and score a touchdown. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yes, exactly. I, it's I, come on, just let him be on the dance floor. Cheek to like cheek. Like he didn't even the whole 
like leading with the crown of your helmet argument is like ridiculous yeah. to me because like you're asking these guys to tackle with their shoulders just naturally if you tackle with your shoulder you bend down <laughs> and dip your head it was egregious to me too i mean what else is demar hamlin supposed to do there i i really think these refs see or well, a i think the nfl has told these refs like we are putting uber emphasis on concussions anything that is right. like a big hit or flinging the quarterback down aggressively like which normally would be okay because it's football because we've put an emphasis on concussions and we've looked bad of how we handled it in the past. Mm -hmm. We're going to be extra disciplinary with these calls. So if and a guy looks like he gets jacked up, even though it's clean. Yeah. We're going to call it eject and inject the guy. Mm -hmm. And I mean, we also know statistically what hockey, what is the, what is the younger hockey name? Who was calling on? Can the Hockley's just get Dawn? out of our lives? Sean. Oh, Sean Hockley. Yeah, not Don Hockley. Let's call yeah. him Don. Yeah, Sean. That'd be a better name. Yeah, let's call him Don Hockley. Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, this was our first win in Bill's history with uh, winning a Hockley game or winning a, right. a Sean Hockley's historically Dawn hate us. Game. Yes, exactly. And I think that in some of the calls, I mean, obviously, like, you know, we had it. We had a good game plan. We have the more talented team. Hockey, we can only do so much in that case. But I do think that there were some things that I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Like, that's a hockey league move. And Hamlin is one of them. Yeah. We, yeah, we got know. hockey lead. I don't know what 23 and me showed the Hockeys on, on their family tree of there's some there's some bad Bills hate in their familial past. But right. Right when I saw like in tonight's ref for the game, Sean Hockley with the call. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, yeah, shit. Boy. here we go. <laughs> We got a Hockley in the house. Not good. Tony, rapid fire here as we wrap up. Good versus bad. Uh, good. Greg Rousseau back. Big, good. big upgrade. Very yep. good. Bad. Stop blitzing, Leslie Frazier. You can't do it. You can't do it very well. So stop doing it. I like a little spice in my coffee. I don't think you should stop. But I mean, also, especially if it's a Hamlin blitz, what else is Hamlin going to do? Just let him blitz. He's better off trying to do that than screwing wow. it up in the in the field of play anyway. Tony, bring some Hamlin shade to the episode this week. A little bit. Really? Why are you so down on DeMar? Mm, I don't know. Do you I want to demote DeMar? I don't want to demote DeMar because I know the alternative. So no, I don't want to demote DeMar. Good. The alternative's not good. <laughs> no. The alternative, I, I've lost faith in the alternative too. It just seems like whenever they blitz, they don't get to the quarterback and they leave their secondary exposed. I don't think they've run one successful blitz this year or recently, at least in the past month that I can remember. They have run, run blitzes where I yell because they don't get to the quarterback and there's a guy wide open over the middle of the field. So I'm just saying <laughs> yeah. the whole game plan, the whole reason for getting the guys you did this offseason, Daquan Jones, Von Miller, even though he's hurt, but when he's back and healthy, is to be able to rush four. And we saw that opening week against the Rams. How they're right. very successful rushing four and leaving seven back. I think that's your whole MO. Yes, it's good to mix it up and give offenses different looks and, and whatnot. But I mean, if you keep doing something unsuccessfully, why why do you keep doing it? I don't mm -hmm. know. And I don't I just don't think they, they blitz very good, just like on offense, how they don't run a screen pass very well. I think this is their defensive crux that that they just can't overcome. So good. 
Greg Rousseau being back, bad blitzing, good at Oliver. That guy's been yep. really good lately. Yes, he has. Bad. I can't wait to hear this bad. What's the sort of bad out there? How about turnovers? Like not creating them? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I feel like we don't get very many. No, we don't. But it doesn't matter because we're nine and three, so we're not minding it. Sure. Yeah. I still am worried every time there's a third and long that they can't get off the field. Like there was one this game where they almost let it was like third and 15. They almost let Mac Jones run for a first down. Yeah, I know. That was yes. And I'm just like, you got to be kidding me with this, right? Uh, oh, here's a yeah. good bad. Here's a good bad. Uh, okay. Jordan Phillips, stop getting hurt when you're not involved in the play. <laughs> yeah, that does tend to happen. Like he's chasing Mac Jones around like he's in a Benny Hill episode. Yeah. I was yeah. just waiting for like the and all of a sudden he just like falls his face first on the field. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh geez. Like again with his hamstring. Jordan Phillips, if you're not within the pocket, just just don't. Just don't move outside the pocket. He's gotten right. hurt twice this year. <laughs> Once being trying to chase down Mac Jones, even though he was like literally 15 yards away. <laughs> From the play and two being celebrating a Mabalato pick six. Oh yeah, celebrating that. Yeah, Jordan Phillips. Oh, I don't know. I'm glad he's here. Hey, Shaq Lawson's really stepping up too lately, huh? Lawson's good, very good. Yeah, I associate that um, them together. I guess that's why I brought it up, but or thought yeah. or it occurred to me. But you picture them as a package deal? Yeah, I do. Like Charlie and Mac on Always Sunny trying to get healthcare. They're a package deal. Yeah, sort of. Uh huh. If Kyrie comes back next week, which you all. I would, I would think yes. I would think so as well. I, all signs point to yes. What do you think of Xavier Rhodes? Do you think Xavier Rhodes stays in, or do you think Dane Jackson needs to to take a couple games in the in the press box here? I mean, I think Xavier Rhodes is just going to be yeah, what Benford policy. was like. He's just yeah, he's just in the rotation. Yeah, I'll be interested to see because now we see Trey White ramping up his snap count. What yeah. that second cornerback is going to look like is it going to be is it going to be a levi wallace situation i would hope not i hope kair as a first round pick would be the guy it's not like mm-hmm. you know levi's good but we're going to do everything we can to replace him kevin johnson josh norman whoever right so you know like i, like I think the the theme of, of this game was like now's the home stretch. This is the pivot point. And now we see guys getting healthy. Now we see a full roster coming together. Now we see the full arsenal intact for the most part. Obviously, Vaughn is out. Dan Dawkins hopefully is right. back next week. But for the most part, a majority of the roster and the core players are intact and, and fully operational. So I think that's the theme is like now we see Trey. Now we see Foyer back. Now we see Josh getting healthier. So mm-hmm. this home stretch, we like we always say the bar is set super high this year. I'm expecting them to, even though they'll never meet the high expectations that I probably have for them, to start to right. creep up to meet those expectations as the season yeah. winds down. Yeah. It's kind of what I'm looking for too. And I'm also looking for kind of signs from the universe. You know, everyone who belongs will be around. I don't know. I'm just glad we're getting healthier, I guess is all I'm trying to say. Yeah, this was a this was a good get right game. Uh, Tony, other notes before we wrap mm-hmm. up the episode here. Did you enjoy the after interview with Josh at the table? I did. I mean, how can you not love anything Josh? Does? I mean, the guy's so charismatic. Yes, uh, I did. I do appreciate like the nuanced stuff he does, like wearing the Ryan Fitzpatrick jersey. Me too. 
doing a handshake with Tony Gonzalez. I think when, yeah, I think that's what we always say, like, like creating viral moments is Josh at his best. Right. Yeah. We always say Josh's spirit animal is like 50 year old dad being awkward at his kids. Yeah. As he's, as he's chaperoning his kids dance. Like, yeah. So when he's awkward and creating viral moments, being charismatic, that's when Josh is at his best. I can't imagine Josh dropping his first child off at college and just the damage that he would do in that bookstore. Every fucking sweatshirt <laughs> out of control. Oh, yeah. Like he's just insane. Every everything will be that college that his child has decided to go to. Easily. Easily. And yeah. I can't wait for that moment. Oh, same. Like I'm dropping my own kid off at college. Yeah. Yeah. We're all gonna experience that with Josh. Tony, let's wrap up the episode though. What do you say? All right. Wrap it up. Oh, the weather outside is frightful, but my drink is so delightfully cold thanks to Traveling Growler. And since we know place to go, keep it cold, keep it cold, keep it cold with a Traveling Growler koozie. Koozie starting at just $5. Check out www.travelinggrowler.com today. And now back to the show. Thank you, of course, to our sponsor, Traveling Growler, www.travelinggrowler.com. Koozie starting at just $5. Awesome stocking stuffer. Holidays right around the corner. Don't be a last-minute shopper. Shop local. Support local. www.travelinggrower.com. Also, where to find cool gifts? Our t-shirt store. The Way Not Funny t-shirt store. Apparel store is probably more fitting. Um, but teespring.com. Search Witty Not Funny, all one word. Buy our apparel. Support the podcast. Guarantee the Bills fan in you, or if you gift it to a loved one who's also a Bills fan, will love our apparel guaranteed we won't give you your money back because man we need some money get us out of a couple tough <laughs> podcasting jams here <laughs> teespring.com tespring.com search way not funny all one word where to find the podcast you can find the podcast on the built-in buffalo podcast network itunes spotify wherever you're fine podcasts are listened to for free search way not funny all one word search built-in buffalo if you like us leave us a review subscribe show us some love and we always like to say whether you give us two minutes or two hours of your time. We greatly appreciate it. We really do mean that. Thank you to everyone who has listened to this point. If you're a first-time listener, hope you enjoyed it. Come on back next week. Tony, Twitter handles. Where can listeners find you? They can find me at Tony E. Ambrose. Now, I emphasize the E Tony. because it's actually a Y. Wow. What a curveball. A Shyamalan twist there. <laughs> it is. <laughs> you can find the podcast at Woody Sports 716, Twitter, Instagram, Woody Not Funny Sports Facebook page, TikTok. Give us a follow. We love following back, connecting with the Buffalo sports community out there. What, what, like we've said the past couple of weeks, this Twitter thing might be gone tomorrow. So, <laughs> so enjoy a while it lasts. On the other platforms, enjoy a while it lasts. Uh, send off for the listeners, Tony. What do you got? Ooh, uh, just in, you know, the mini buy is a great time to reassess your life, do some self-reflection, do a yoga from the YouTube. It's a mini buy for all of us. So let's enjoy it. Maybe on your mini buy, you can buy some of our apparel. Well done. Listeners, just say, just say. Oh, also, before we forget, big shout out to friend of the pod, former guest, Kingsley Jonathan, back with the Bills. Good to see him back where he belongs. Love to see that. Back home, baby. Um, a second stinter. Home. Second, another second stinter. I mean, kind of. Add into, yeah. Add, yeah, why not? Right? Add to the list. Uh, as I always say, go Bills and stay witty out there, everyone. Thanks for listening. Peace.
Bye. Bye. Later. To stop. Moshon is a fresher breath there. He just loved chain restaurants. Matter of fact, he ate at Applebee's 12 times during the bye week. I love eating it. Most of you guys. That really is still swollen, isn't it? That's all it's going. It kind of looks like a football, actually. It, Thank you for that. Stitching, you that, got it. Thank you. Hey, D, I like donuts, baby. Let's go. Uh, stay focused. Um, work hard in school. You might not like school, but make sure you're working hard at school. It feels a bomb. It feels a bomb. It's your boy DM3, and you're listening to the Witty Not Funny Sports Podcast on the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network.